Praise God. If you do not know, your pastor is in San Diego preaching today, and so he will be back next Sunday. Praise God. Let's go uh, to uh, Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. Uh, whoever's on the computer, I'm going to count on you. All right? Isaiah 9 and 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Next verse. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it, and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. God bless you. You may be seated. The scripture says as we approach the fulfillment of prophecy that there would be wars and rumors of wars, there would be earthquakes in diverse places, pestilences and famines and all of these things would increase in frequency and intensity more and more. You may not be aware of this, but in armed, in directly or indirectly as a result of armed conflict, approximately 120 million people died in the last century. I'll say that again because you're still getting settled and you didn't hear that. In the 1900s, directly and indirectly as a product of armed conflict, approximately 120 million people died. That's not the number that died from sickness, disease, old age, uh, Famines, earthquakes, natural disasters, etc., etc., etc. Just an armed conflict. Uh, the numbers actually may be low. It actually may be more than that. That's not counting the number of people that were killed in some kind of transportation accident. That's not counting the number of people that were killed as a part of violence, uh, criminal activity, etc., etc., etc. That's a lot of people. You know that? World War II alone, 40 million people died. One one of the uh, main focuses of people who live under constant threat, and if you're not aware that we've live under constant threat it's because the government is doing that good a job to keep you in the dark but the the focus is peace and safety that's the focus people want peace and they want to feel safe and uh, everybody has Ideas of how to accomplish that. If we were all one big nation, we'd have peace. You can't honestly be that naive, but that's what you believe. God bless you. 
If we were all under one government, we'd have peace. Really. So government, human government brings peace. Safety. Peace and safety. The scripture says when they shall cry, peace and safety, sudden destruction will come. I don't know how people who don't have an intimate relationship with God face getting up every day. In 2014, when my wife had breast cancer and she was going through chemo, for four months we would go into the, to the, uh, oh, what's the, what's the name for that? The infusion center, thank you. And uh, the spirit of depression and, and, the, and fear in the place was just amazing. I said to her one day, I, I don't know how people do this without God. I don't know how they face this without God. And yet, the bottom line is, the great, 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 great majority of people choose to do that. They choose to face life without God. If you've never had peace, if you've never experienced peace, real peace, it is absolutely the most wonderful thing you possibly can imagine. In fact, it's so unimaginable that if you have not experienced it, you don't know what your life is missing. Peace and fear do not coexist in the same heart. They cannot Peace and fear cannot coexist. They do not. Peace and worry do not coexist. Peace and anxiety. It is impossible for peace and anxiety to coexist in the same heart. It's impossible. You have one or the other. You have one or the other. If you have fear, you don't have peace. If you have worry and anxiety, you don't have peace. If you have peace, you don't have fear. You don't have worry, you don't have anxiety. For many, many people, including some of you, you can't imagine never having fear. You can't imagine never having worry. Never having doubt. You can't imagine that. In fact, it sounds impossible. And I acknowledge to you it is most ways that people try to have it. The scriptures I read to you today have the key. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And of His government and peace, there shall be no end. And of the increase of His government and peace, there shall be no end. 
of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. The key here to note is you can't separate government from peace. Now, I'm not talking about government like the United States government. Because if the purpose of our government was to produce peace, it's a miserable failure and has been in my lifetime. In my 72 years of breathing, living in this country, there's never been a time where it was free from conflict. Some of it justified, some of it not justified. The word government here is not speaking of human government. It's talking about spiritual government. And I'm not talking about spiritual government being as governed by the, the preacher or a church board or even a church. I'm talking about government that can only be exercised by God himself. How about uh, Hebrews chapter 1, please? Verse 3. Uh, we better read starting with verse 1 so it makes sense. Hebrews 1 and 1. God who at sundry times and diverse manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. Go back to 2. hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. That means the universe and everything in it. Next verse. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had himself purged our sins, Sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Next verse. Being made so much better than the angels as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Hebrews 11, 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith... We understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Next verse. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it being dead, he being dead yet speaketh. By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. But before his translation he had this testimony that he pleased God. Finally, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Hebrews 1, 3. 
who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power. Hebrews 11, 3. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Verse 6. Now faith, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. But what is faith? Verse 1. Hebrews 11, 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith. Faith. The problem is, for our flesh, we say we can't see God. We can't see Him. We can't see God. I'm not going to trust someone I can't, can't see. I'm not going to trust someone that I'm not sure is there. <laughs> Uh, let me show you something here. Let's see. The sun is going to set today at 8.36 p.m. in this locale. The last light of day will be at 9.07. First light tomorrow morning will be at 5.18 and then... At 5.50 a.m. will be sunrise. Uh, let's check another place. Let's see. Well, let's check the future. How about... Uh, on my wife's birthday, July the 31st, sun will rise at 5.37 a.m. The first light will be at 5.37 a.m. Sunrise will be at 6.07 a.m. Sunset will be at 8.20 p.m. And the last light will be at 8.50. Let's uh, try a different location here. Let's see. Uh, the internet's pretty slow, so... Whatever. That's going to mess my illustration up. The point I'm making to you is this. I can go to any location, if I got an internet connection, any location in the world, and this app will tell you exactly what time the sun's going to go up, come up and go down today, any day, this year, coming year, this year, any day, five years from now, will tell me the exact minute the sun's going to come up, the sun's going to go down, in any location, in the entire world. And there's no God. There are books that are, you can now access online that will tell you exactly what time 
high tide and low tide is in any beach area in the world on any day. The exact time. The exact time of high tide. The exact time of low tide. There are books that will tell you, and now internet applications, that will tell you the exact phase the moon will be in. In any location. How? How's that possible? Who controls all that? For thousands of years, sailors at sea have found out how to get from point A to point B by checking their position in relationship to the stars. Who put them in that place where they're exactly in the place that they have always been? So much so that you can calculate their position and then calculate your position in relationship to them. Who's in charge of all that? Who makes that happen? Who maintains all that? How is it that it never is off? How is that? Never off. How is that? How's that possible? Who does that? Anybody sitting here worried about whether or not the sun's coming up in the morning? You might concern yourself over the temperature, and the temperature may vary. You may concern yourself over whether or not we have enough rain or too much rain. You, you may concern yourself over those variable factors that God said was going to be variable from the beginning. There's never been a time that he ever indicated to us they weren't going to be variable. But the heavens and the heaven of heavens declare him. Who maintains all that? Do you know what would happen on the earth if the moon just changed its orbit just by 10 miles, 20 miles? Change the shape of its orbit. Your whole life would change. Climate would be changed if the moon changed the shape of its orbit. Who maintains the moon in the place it's in? The government? So who are you trusting for your safety? Who are you trusting for your peace? In our culture today, we don't even trust policemen anymore. I read a survey the other day that elected politicians 
that Americans have the least amount of confidence in elected politicians of any other profession in our country. Local politicians were like third or fourth worst and national politicians were the least. They were the bottom. So we're trusting these people that we don't trust with our health and safety. Oh, guess who else is way down on that list? Media people. Do you trust any of them? That's not because of the last couple of years. I'm not preaching politics here today. I'm talking about who are you trusting for your peace and safety? You believe that stuff you read in here? You believe all that? Yeah, yeah, I believe them. Really? So you know those people? You can vouch for their character? You can call them on the phone and talk out your problems if you like? <laughs> Really? And the people that get paid for pretending and lying to entertain you, we're going to trust what they say about anything? I'm not preaching politics here. I'm asking who your God is. Because the word of God is what holds everything together. Who are you trusting? Now, I've told this story many times, but it's not a story. The day we went to the doctor the first time with the new lump, and then we had to go do the we because I went, the sonogram and the mammogram. And then we had the appointment with the surgeon. We sat together before the, in between the, there was only, they were only about an hour and a half apart, waiting for the surgeon appointment. And I said to her, this was the third time my wife had had breast cancer. The first time God instantaneously removed it. It was gone. It was, was done. The second time, He gave her faith to not have to go through all the procedure stuff. And uh, the doctor argued and argued and argued with us for five months. And finally, he agreed to do it the way her faith was. As long as we signed a paper that she would, we wouldn't hold him responsible if she died. And it went just like she said the Lord told her it was going to go. But this time, the Lord told us we were going to, travel a journey it was going to be a journey and that we were supposed to do whatever the doctor said as long as we had peace with what they said and he would not let us ask anyone to pray for her to be healed and he wouldn't let us ask him to heal her all we were allowed to do every morning and sometimes throughout the whole day was to seek peace First Peter 3.11, please. That's all we were allowed to do. 
We had no promise she was going to be healed. We had no promise she was going to live. This is what we were told to do. Seek peace and pursue it. And how did we seek peace? Because we submitted to his government every day. What do I mean by that? We cast all our cares on him. We released control. Any, all, any intent or effort to control the situation, we cast it all on him. We release all this to you, Father. You love us. We know you love us. We trust you. You haven't told us what's going to happen, but we trust you. We cast it all on you. When they first uh, diagnosed her with cancer, their first uh, diagnosis was, well, it's pretty small. It's not going to be a big deal. We just take the lumps out and um, you, you won't even have to have chemo or radiation. But we, we need to run some more tests just to make sure. So they ran more tests. And then it was, uh, well, they're bigger than we thought. So uh, we're going to go ahead and do surgery and then you... But you probably won't have to have chemo. Probably. Did some more tests. Uh, well, it's worse than we thought. We're going to go ahead and do the surgery and then, uh, we'll, we'll do the chemo. Maybe the radiation. And then after the fi- final test, they said, the lumps are so much bigger than we thought. Uh, we're not even sure surgery will work, so we're going to require you to start chemo immediately. And we're hoping that the chemo will shrink the tumors enough the surgery might work. This is So we started chemo with their diagnosis and prognosis going downhill. And we, we met with the oncologist, and she's a wonderful lady, and she's a, we consider her a friend. And, uh, but these were her first words to us. I cannot make any guarantee to you that my medicine is going to work. We'll try the best we can. And she said, my hope is that we can shrink the tumors enough that there's a chance that surgery will be successful. That's what she told us. That's what we heard. Well, you could leave there with absolute fear if you want. But we kept praying the way we'd been praying. Father, we know you love us. And we love you. And we belong to you. We're yours. And you know all about this. You know you knew this before we knew about it. You know exactly where it's at right now. And you know what the end of this is going to be. And regardless of what happens, Father, we trust you and we trust your love because we're going to have peace through this whole process. And we had peace. So she goes in for surgery after four months of chemo. Well, four months of chemo and then they had to wait six, eight weeks for the chemo to get out of her system before they could do surgery. So they do the surgery and uh, we're still doing the same thing. We're just casting it on the Lord, 
trusting him with it, coming under his government, acknowledging that we're his, that he's our God, he's our Lord, he's our Father, and we're under his authority. And that he's in control, and we know he's in control, and we believe he's in control. And that we trust him no matter what he chooses to be the outcome of this. So she goes in and has this all-day surgery. And two days later, the surgeon comes in and says, Well, I don't know how to explain this, but we analyzed all the tissue that was removed in surgery, and we can't find any cancer. I'm not exaggerating. It's a matter of medical records. There's no cancer here. Wait, wait a minute. You guys said just a couple of months ago that it was so bad that we didn't even know if surgery was going to work. So we go in to see the oncologist to get her report. She says there was nothing there in the tissue removed. There was nothing. She said we call this a CR or a complete response. And we thanked her. And she said, oh, don't thank me. Her words said publicly. Outside of her, the, the exam room, standing out in the hallway where all of her staff could hear and patients could hear. She said, oh, don't thank me. My medicine didn't do this. God did this. Now, wait a minute. How did that happen when we never asked him to do that? And I'm standing here with a brace on this knee and using this crutch, and there's some go, don't you have any faith? (laughs) Yeah, I got faith. Because just about 15 inches below this knee, there's an Achilles tendon that was completely ripped in two and that God stuck together in a prayer meeting, in a call to war prayer meeting. And I didn't even know it happened. And I never asked him with that either. But I'm sitting there leading this prayer meeting on the Monday night of that 2016 call to war. Wasn't even thinking. And I'm curling my toes. And when I curl my toes, the back of my calf is bunching up. That's not possible with a completely separated Achilles tendon. You could put your finger in the hole. The gap where the two parts were. It wasn't partially torn. It was completely torn. And I got home from that prayer meeting. And took the boot off. And ran my finger over a bump where there used to be a hole. Because the two ends of that Achilles came together miraculously. Some of you don't believe you can come feel the bump now if you want. It's on my Achilles. My wife will let you do that. long as she's standing there, making sure it's uh, done to her specifications. <laughs> well, why is your knee like this? I don't know. I don't know why my knee's like this. Well, haven't you asked God to heal him? Heal you? No. Why? He hasn't given me a word for that. Why? Why are you going through this? Because I trust him. I trust him. What's going to happen? I don't know. 
Aren't you worried about it? Do I look worried? These are inconvenient, but these are a blessing. This is a miracle right here. Because we go on our 50th anniversary trip to Italy. Never done anything like that in our life. And because of the food there, probably never do it again. (laughs) Beautiful place. Nothing to eat. If you're a foodie, go. I'm the opposite of a foodie. We couldn't even buy any regular mayonnaise and bananas to make banana sandwiches to survive on. I mean, they bring out stuff I don't recognize, and I don't, I don't know what it. I don't know. I don't know anything about the taste. And I'm going. Why is it that the stuff we paid the most money for is the stuff that tasted the worst? We quickly learned that one. I don't even like pizza, but boy, I eat some pizza. <laughs> trying to survive. But get, get this, I, I, I was diagnosed with this torn meniscus in December. It wasn't really hurting me all that bad, but he said, you got a torn meniscus. Okay. By the time I went to Singapore and then went to Brazil and got home from that, now I can't hardly walk. He says, oh, we'll give you these shots. And uh, it'll it'll take it away. You probably won't even have to have surgery. Okay. Well, it was going to work perfect. The shots were going to. It was three shots, one one a week, and 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 then I needed a couple of weeks to get better, and I could go on the trip, and I wouldn't have any pain. Right. The night before my first shot, they called and canceled all the shots because it's a bad batch. Because some people had those shots, and their knee swelled up, and they had to have arthroscopic surgery to clean all that stuff out because it was a bad batch. So now, they got the stuff in for my three shots like four days before we were leaving. So now I'm going to do all this walking with no shots. And I could have had surgery if I'd have done something earlier, but I didn't really want to do that. So we go on this once-in-a-lifetime trip for our anniversary, and I'm hobbling all over the place. And two and a half weeks into it, I get up one morning and I can't put any weight on the knee at all. And she's ready to come home, except that trying to save money, we prepaid it. So we were going to lose all that. And I said, I'm, what am I going to do? Go home and sit in the recliner? I have to do something. She said, you can't walk. I didn't know that. It's a joke. She said, what are you going to do? I said, I, well, I, I shouldn't have said this. This got me in trouble. I said, well, the doctor recommended before I left that I get a cane, but I didn't really want to walk around on a cane. She said, the doctor recommended you get a cane and you didn't get one. Does it look like I have one? I don't have one. So now we can't come home. Because we lose all this money, and we're almost, it's almost the end of the trip anyway. So, I don't have anything, I can't walk. So, I go into this pharmacia. Uh, it's not CVS. And uh, I don't speak Italian, she didn't speak 
English. And I said, I told my wife that morning, I, I need to go try to see if I can find a cane or something. What I'd really like to have is one of those, those short crutches where the weight's on your hands and not under your armpits. But where am I going to find those here? So I go into the pharmacia. Needless to say, I'd been praying and casting, right? And I said to this lady, I need a cane. She looked at me. She said, no comprende. (laughs) You probably know what that means. I don't understand. I'm going, can I go home now? Anyway, (laughs) I said, cane, oh, oh. She goes to the back, rattles around, and she, I'm, I don't know what I was expecting her to come out with, but she came out with two of these. I, I was about to try to do spiritual backflips in spite of my knee. <laughs> and this may look bad. This, this isn't bad. Woo! If I use these correctly, I almost have, almost have no pain. Almost. From that, from feeling like I was getting stabbed with knives. You say, that's not a big, you don't understand how big a deal that was. The night before I was the lowest I'd been in a long time, I, I contacted some people and said, please help me pray, cause I was pretty discouraged. By the time I went to bed, I finally had gotten all that under control by the Lord's help and cast it all on the Lord. And the next day, He makes this work. You say, that's not a big deal. Are you kidding me? I don't know how much, how to tell you how much of a miracle these were. How much I appreciate these. I appreciate them. I'm thankful what he did. He solved my problem his way. He didn't heal my knee. Oh, and every bit of medicine I was given to try and even stuff I bought, nothing would take the pain away. So you keep casting. You just cast it. You cast it. Now my wife was secretly thanking the Lord, I think, to some degree, because I had this itinerary where we would be getting up at 5 a.m. just about and going 90 miles an hour all day to see everything. And needless to say, that didn't work. It doesn't matter how big your problem is or how small it is. If you give him control, really give him control, there's absolute peace. I got stuff I need to be doing. This is just a right talking. I got places I need to be. I got stuff I need to do. You know what's really weird? Some of you have been around a while. I fell on Monday morning... August the 24th, 2015, and tore my left leg up. I was quote-unquote better for about three months and tripped and tore this Achilles tendon. And even after the Lord put the tendons together, I still had to go through therapy. He did the surgery. He didn't make it instantly perfect. That's what's amazing. He didn't just, he, he put it together. He could have instantly made it as if it had never been torn. He didn't do that. Because he wanted me to witness to this therapist. And so, I, the, 
It was a year I walked with a limp from that Achilles. Just about the time I was walking with no limp, I got a problem with my knee. What's this really all about? I don't know. But for the last three years, I haven't been able to walk very well. You know what I really like about this torn meniscus? It's not an old man's injury. Hey, teenagers get torn meniscus. So it has nothing to do with being old. Because if I was older, I would be smart enough to not do the stuff I did when I tripped and tore my legs up twice. Right? I wasn't that smart. So what's going on in your life that is out of your control? even though you're trying to be in control of it. I'm really almost done, I think. Because this is the message. This isn't a sermon, this is the message. The two most important things in this life, and I said it last session, though the first session this morning, Finding, knowing, and doing the will of the Father and having peace. And you can't have one of those without the other. You can't have peace without being in the will of God. And you can't be in the will of God unless you seek for the will of God. Unless you surrender yourself to the will of God. God is not going to reveal His will to you until you're surrendered to do what He reveals. It is not a negotiation. It's not a negotiation. You can't negotiate with God. Why? (sighs) He has a plan. He has a plan for each of your lives. Everybody has a unique plan. God, before the foundation of the world, planned each of our lives uniquely. (sighs) I heard a a man of God many years ago when I was a young, young preacher. He said, the judgment is going to be this. God's going to lay out the blueprint of what he planned your life to be. And then he's going to take an overlay of how you live that life and lay it over the plan and see how closely you came to living what he planned your life to be. That's going to be the judgment. That's why people who look at themselves negatively because of their circumstances, they're missing the point. God didn't plan my life more detailed than he planned yours. God doesn't have a better purpose for me than he's got for you. The way he uses us in this life may be differently. But the purpose is the purpose. And it's God's purpose. And that purpose is important to God's plan. It's important to God's kingdom. There's some, well, I started to say some wonderful people here. Everybody here is a wonderful person because every one of us is fearfully and wonderfully made. 
Every one of us was uniquely created by the creator. Every one of us is individually important to God because he died for each one of us individually. There's nobody here more important than somebody else. Not in the sight of God. Now, society and culture wants to put evaluations on everybody. This one is not important. This one, you know, uh, it's, it's like we do with birds. Eagles are important, but sparrows are not. We got laws protecting eagles, but we don't have laws protecting sparrows because we don't value the sparrows like we do the eagle. No, the, the blood that fell from the, the body of Christ on the cross wasn't intended just for some people, not for others. He didn't, sh- he didn't shed important blood for this one and unimportant blood for that one. But the bottom line is this. <laughs> Have you found your place in his body? Are you a part of his government? Are you under his protection of safety? Are you a part of his peace? Well, does that mean if he's protecting you, nothing bad's ever going to happen? I can't say that. Why? (laughs) When we would walk in the infusion center, people would turn and smile. Oh, Mrs. Wright's back. Why would they smile at us? Because we went in smiling with, at them. And, and they would say, sunshine has returned. And we had people tell us, you don't know the brightness you bring to this place. Now, if she had never had cancer, how would we have ever had that kind of testimony? And that whole team of doctors that uh, collaborated, I get maybe is the word, on her treatment and what was going to be done and all that. They all know the truth. They all know the records. How would they have experienced that if she'd never gone through that? My orthopedic surgeon is a Lebanese Orthodox Christian. I went to see him the week after call to war when that tendon was put back together. I said, I want to show you something, doctor. Put your finger down here. You know where you showed me there was a gap? What do you feel down there? His eyes got big. I said, where's the gap? He said, there's no gap there. So is the tendon together? He said, get up. Let me see you walk. I walked. He said... It appears as though the tendon is reattached. How'd that happen? No explanation. See, the problem is this. When I'm not under his government and I don't have his peace, and the book says it's appointed unto man once to die, somehow I believe God has failed. If he lets me die. Really? The scripture says. Precious in the sight of the Lord. Is the death of his saints. 
It's appointed unto man once to die, and after that the judgment. He hasn't failed me because he let me die. And if the Lord tarries, I'm going to die one day. I'm sure a couple of, a week or so ago, people that went into work at the Capitol didn't expect to die. That Mrs. Winters, Brother Yu, has communicated with her for years. She had just written an article, I don't know if it's been published yet, on uh, William Spriggs. She just, and Mike was collaborating with her on that article because she was, you know, they were recognizing teenagers for their outstanding lives and all of that. And he had just been communicating with her to finish that article. She's the one that wrote the article on William Spriggs. And I got a copy of the email after the shooting was made public where Mike sent an email to her. Wendy, are you okay? Just checking to see if you're okay. He never got a response to that email for obvious reasons. You know the problem why so many people don't have peace? Because they can't get victory over asking the question, why? God doesn't explain everything to me. He's not going to explain everything to you. That's what trust is all about. And you can't have peace without trusting the Father. Peace is the most wonderful thing in this world. There's nothing like peace. I pray for this world. I pray for our leaders. I I pray for people. I want to see everyone know Him. Know the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to see them know Him. I pray for them. But the goal is for them to have peace. And they can't have peace if they don't know Him. But it's not enough to know Him. How many people were engaged two or three or four years? Was the relationship the same after you said I do as it was those three or four years before you said I do? Why? Excuse me for putting it this way. It's maybe a poor example in your opinion. Because when you're engaged, you're not under government. There's no commitment there. There's no submission to one another. But when you're married, you've, you've made vows. You've made a commitment. Before I was married... I could go take any single lady in the world that would agree to go with me out to eat. Just to go to eat. It would be fine. But I'm a married man now. And even though what I, taking somebody out to eat that's not my wife, might not be immoral, but it would be against my commitment. 
it would be, be against my participation in a relationship. You can't have peace without submission to the Father. Now, let me just make this statement. I'm going to quit. I'm try. When I make the statement, being submitted to the Father, what do you think? What kind of thoughts go through your mind? Does that sound inviting to you? Does that sound repulsive to you? Is something in you say, not me, I'm not, I'm not doing that. Or is something in you say, tell me how I want to do that. Because your attitude towards submission to the Father reveals your faith. It reveals your faith. I've said this before. I've had people say to me, I don't trust anybody but myself. Why? Well, God has let me down. Really? God's let you down. So you're going to trust yourself. So you've never let yourself down. So people put their trust in the one who has let them down the most in life. Because nobody's ever let you down more than you've let yourself down. Nobody. But I'm not going to trust God because he may let me down. But you keep trusting yourself and you let yourself down. Over and over again. (laughs) You ever seen two little kids arguing? My dad's bigger than your dad. My dad can beat your dad up. They're not talking about their prowess, their ability. That's the trust they have in their dad. There's such safety and security in having trust in God like that. You may believe in luck, I don't. You may believe in coincidences, I don't. I'm a child of the Father. There is no luck. There is no coincidence for a child of God who trusts the Father. Every single thing that happens, the Father's in charge. And I trust Him. I can't do that, Brother Wright. That's your choice. It's your right to choose that. But here's the problem. You make that choice, but you're never going to have peace. You can't have peace over what you don't trust the Father with. Every situation in your life that you want to have peace over has to be cast on the Father, submitted to the Father, entrusted to the Father. And it really is that simple because I pray that way. Essentially every day. I start off my day in the morning. And by the Spirit of the Lord, after I have fellowship with Him, spent time just in fellowship with Him and praising Him, I let His Spirit 
examine my spirit. Okay, what's troubling me today? And I began to take every single thing that's troubling me and cast it. I cast this on you, Father. I can't fix this. I can't change this. I don't know what to do about this. I give it to you. I give this to you. I give this to you. I literally live that way. Literally. Every day. I don't ask him for anything. I cast. I surrender control of everything that's troubling me. Anything that wants to steal my peace. Anything that wants to cause me to worry. There's a synonym in the scripture for the word care. It mean, it is, uh, taking thought. You ever read that? Where Jesus talked about taking thought. That's a synonym of the word to care. Casting all your care. All the stuff you've taken thought over. In other words, Stuff that's in your mind, that's stuck in your mind, that just goes over and over in your mind and you can't get rid of it and just just plagues you and torments you in your mind. That's what you cast until it's out of your mind. I want to be out of my mind. I don't want any of that stuff in my mind. I want my mind at rest. I want my heart at rest. I want my spirit at rest. I want to be able to face my life with peace. Again, I quote the verse from this morning. Jesus said, John 16, 33, you can put that on the screen. These things, these things have I, uh, written unto you, or spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. Not will have peace, might have peace. In the world you shall have trouble. Greek word is thalipsis, trouble, uh, or tribulations, which, uh, translated here. It's, it's the word that, uh, uh, It literally means in the Greek, pressure. What's pressing on my mind? What's pressing on my spirit? What's got me disturbed? You ever walk up to a pond that was so still you could see it was like a mirror? And then somebody that you'd like to punch, but because you're saved you don't, takes a rock and throws it in that pond and causes all those ripples. And what was perfectly clear, perfectly still, is now troubled because somebody threw a rock in it. Well, here's how it works. Everything you hang on to, everything you try to care about, every problem you try to solve, every every trouble you try to carry instead of giving to Him, everything you don't cast on Him, you are required by God to cast into your pond of peace. And so instead of it being perfectly still, so that there's no worry, there's no fear, there's no, there's no, uh, anxiety, it's troubled. And the bigger the rock, the bigger the, the ripples on the pond, the longer it takes for it to all settle down and get still again. But the more, the longer you hang on to stuff, the more you have to throw it in there. And everything that comes in my mind, that I hold on to, and I try to figure out and work out every problem I try to solve instead of giving it to God, I have to throw it into the pond of peace, and it and now it's not clear anymore. Now I don't I can't see clearly. I don't know which way to go. I don't know what to do. Those ripples are equivalent to confusion. I don't know what to do now. I don't know what to do. 
And every decision you make when your peace is disturbed is a bad decision. You know why? Because when you do not cast your cares on the Lord, when you do not cast your cares on the Lord, you're trying to control it. You're trying to be in control. But here's the problem. How do you control anything when you don't even know what's going to happen in five minutes? I've already said twice I was quitting. You don't know when I'm going to quit because I don't know when I'm going to quit. How can you make a decision? I hope you didn't leave a rose stone because I'm not the pastor. Now, he's, he's learning how to be a little longer winded. He'll get there. But how can you make a decision when you don't know what's going to happen five minutes from now? You don't know if you're going to get in your car and pull out on that street safely. You don't know that. You don't know if you're going to come up to one of these red lights and somebody, and it turned green and you go through it, but somebody's ignored it. You don't know that. Because you don't control all of that. And you can't control all of that. And if you're not going to trust Him, how are you going to make it? I've told several of these people that work in our the security industry <laughs> that know all this top secret stuff. I don't know how they do it without God. Because they know stuff that if the rest of us knew... It would scare us out of our minds. And they live with that every day. And if they don't learn how to cast that on God, they're never going to have peace and there's no joy without peace. You can't have joy without peace. You can have fun without peace, but fun stops. You can't have hope without peace. It all starts with peace. And peace starts with love and loving Him enough and knowing He loves you enough that you can trust Him. Government of peace. And of the increase of His government and peace, there shall be no end. Now those, whoever that is that's praying for my pain, my knee to hurt really bad so I'll quit, your prayer's been answered. <sighs> <laughs> and so I'm apologizing you to it in advance because I'm getting my other crutch and I'm going right out that door and get in my car. Okay, because I got to sit down someplace soon. Father, you have spoken to us today. You have appealed to those that you love, to your people. You've appealed to them. To trust you. You've appealed to them to trust you. You've appealed to them to give you a chance to prove that you are trustworthy. You've appealed to them to trust you that you really are in control. That you really do have a plan. That you really are God of gods. Lord of lords. The creator of the universe. 
that you're the beginning and there is no end without you. You are the ending. And you're the transition to whatever's next from this temporal to the eternal. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, let your word be hidden in our hearts that it might produce whatever whatever fruit you would like to have come from this word. That we could know your will, walk in your will, do your will, and have peace. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise?